0: This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. We
1: interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating
2: Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, the only show in town that knows the difference between Bill Pullman and Jeff Daniels. My name is Sean Ray, your humble host. (laughs) John is not here tonight. Uh, He was last seen chasing a paper sailboat down towards a storm sewer, so I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Joining me tonight from the great wilderness known as Florida is Rick. How are you, sir? Which
0: one is Peter Weller, and uh, which one is is uh, Ed Harris?
2: <laughs> and that's, yeah, true too. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm fine, thanks. How you doing? From the Lone Star State, we have Virginia. How are you?
3: Personally, I can't tell the difference between Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Really? Ooh. Bill Paxton. It's very confusing. And-
2: <laughs> this is dark bill paxton's the dead one
3: well now i know the difference yeah Yeah.
0: you can tell by the smell oh Oh.
3: too soon man that was
0: that was dark okay game over man
2: and from that really long island up north uh chris (laughs) Beach Philippus. how are you sir
1: It doesn't make a difference uh, who uh, Bill Paxton is, who Bill Pullman is, because they all float down here, along with John.
2: (laughs) That's true. Hey, uh, 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 I was uh, just sitting around watching uh, TV on a Saturday afternoon, which is something I very rarely get to do anymore. Uh, Just watch a movie on Saturday afternoon. I've usually got way too much to do. But um, I was flipping through the channels, and arachnophobia was on. And it was about halfway through, and I just started watching it. And uh, I forgot how good that movie is.
1: <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater, and man, that, that is a spectacular movie. It is great. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't seen it since, but I have great memories of it.
2: <laughs> Those,
1: uh, you know, there's
0: a reboot coming.
2: Yeah, there is a reboot coming. I don't think it'll be as good as... as the, I mean, th- there's just something about the uh, the practical effects that they use in, in, in films from that time, you know, uh, when he's walking <laughs> through the house. Way back in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. W- when he's walking through the house and there's just spiders, li- just little spiders, just like everywhere, you know, that gives you the heebie-jeebies and then the the great big spider that he has to fight at the end, you know, it, it it did its job. <laughs> it sent chills up my spine. <laughs> but, uh, I've never
0: seen that movie.
2: Really? Yeah. I yeah. recommend it. I think it is on... Where did I see? I think it was it was either HBO or Cinemax. So, is that
0: John Goodman? John, well, John Goodman has sort it.
2: of a cameo. Yeah. Right? He's, okay. He's not the star. I mean, he's oh he's really in a few scenes. Yeah, Cause, he plays
0: because that's kind of why I never saw it. I you know I Goodman's one of those actors that it doesn't like turn me off from a movie if he's in it. You know, unlike you know like Adam Sandler or something like that. But it he he doesn't. He's not the, the uh, you know the, the sign of a quality film <laughs> if he's in oh, it. I love uh, John
2: Goodman. Or at least at least back then. You need he's, to see. Not, yeah. You need to watch Ten Cloverfield Lane.
1: And John Goodman is in like every Coen Brothers movie.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. So don't Rick, ju- you're wrong. Don't judge him. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> don't judge John Goodman on uh, King Ralph. You know, oh, I see that. <laughs> yeah, you need to watch if you want to see something fairly recent, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. He is awesome in that movie.
0: So. That one, I, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to see it or not because it looks really disturbing. It's, and,
2: yeah, I mean, it's, it's creepy, but, uh, and don't let the Cloverfield turn you off because the yeah, Clover, it, well, the Cloverfield no, Cloverfield stuff it has, doesn't come in until the end of it, so.
0: Yeah, that, that I know, uh. That part I
2: know is it's it has
0: much to do with Clover but actually less to do with Cloverfield than that
2: god awful Cloverfield Paradox, Paradox movie did. Yeah, yeah, It's not anything like that, yeah. All right, we're gonna play a, a game to break the ice a little bit. Um Let's I could use Rot- some ice, it's eighty seven degrees <laughs> in here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hot in my den too. Uh, let's play the Rotten, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes game. And this time what I did was I used a randomizer on lines five fan five uh random movies that don't really have anything to do with one another instead of trying to do a theme or anything like that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the movie, and you guys, you've all played before, but uh, you guys are going to tell me what you think the critic score that's on Rotten Tomatoes is for that film. And I'll tell you the name of the movie, I'll tell you the year that came out, and also a couple of the people that were in it and who directed it. And uh, you can tell me the critic score... And uh, bonus points if you know the audience score. So, um, number one is The Professional from 1994. Also known in some places as *Leon The Professional. Chris, what do you think the critic score is for that movie? You had Gary Oldman, Natalie Portman, Gene Reno, and uh, directed by Luc Besson.
1: Well, that is I think one of the most highly lauded films of its kind. It was Natalie Portman's film debut if I'm not mistaken, and it has got such a huge cult following and was so critically acclaimed. I think I'm going to go with 90, 92% critic, 98% fan.
2: All right. Uh Virginia, what do you think?
3: I'm going to go sorry. I'm going to go with um 85% for uh critics and 83 percent for audience
2: okay and rick what do you think hmm what what did what did
0: chris say for for critics 92 he, he said 92
2: yeah all
0: right uh i'm i'm gonna take the uh the the john irons fruit and i'm gonna say 93
2: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I know nothing about this movie. Uh, An audience score, I'm going to say that the uh, American public has its taste firmly in its uh, hindquarters, and I'm going to say 52.
2: All right. Now, the way I'm doing this, the way I'm scoring it, is whoever gets closest on the critic score gets the point, and if you got within five or six on the audience score, I'll give you an extra point. So the actual critic score was 71, what? <laughs> so Virginia gets that point because she said eighty five. Yes. She was the lowest, uh, but you weren't very close on the audience score. Audience score was ninety five. The audiences huh. really uh-huh. liked that movie. All, All right.
1: right. So I, do I get anything out of that? No. <laughs>
2: Damn it. So so was that one? Was that before Mars Attacks? Ninety four. Yeah, Mars Attacks came out in. Uh, yeah, it was before that because Mars Attacks came out in, like ninety five ninety six something oh, okay, like that. Oh, okay. Because I thought that was Portman's
1: debut. No, as far as I know. Well, if it wasn't her debut, it was her breakout. Okay. And wasn't I really good, like, <laughs> sounding like I know about movies? I'm just so full of
2: it. <laughs> I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one is uh, from 2017. The movie is Split. Has uh, James McAvoy, Anna Taylor Joy, and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Virginia, I'll start with you since you uh, <laughs> since you got the the last one.
3: I I mean I, it's not too surprising. I've never heard of this, but um, since I've never heard of it, I'm going to say critics thirty four percent and audience twelve percent. Okay. I have no reason for those numbers. I'm just <laughs> picking them.
1: Rick, you stick you with think? them, Virginia.
0: All right, I have heard of this. I haven't seen it because it's not my bag, baby. Um, But I did hear a lot of raving about it, and I know that it got Shamalama Ding Dong back in the good graces of Hollywood. So I'm going to say that critics gave it uh, 87% and audiences
2: gave it a 95%. All right, Chris, what do you think?
0: Well,
1: I'm going to take the John Irons route on this, (laughs) and I'm going to say eighty eight percent and <laughs> I think that the the fan reaction because of the twist at the very very end is going to put it up to ninety six percent. Take that Rick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Touche. Actual critic score and I have seen this man they yeah they have a sequel coming out uh, they next, do next yeah. next year. Yeah. Um actual critic score is seventy six. Oh wow so actually, Rick is, Rick is the closest, but you Didn't uh, then go one over. Take au- that, to flip us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> your audience Your audience score was way off though, because the audience score was seventy eight percent. Oh wow! But you still get that point. All right. <laughs> the next one, number three, is from two thousand four, Sideways, starring Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church, and Virginia Madsen, directed by Alexander Payne. Uh, who went first last time? I think it was Virginia. So Rick. I did. Rick, uh, who's um, what do you think the credit score was for that?
0: Okay. This was another one that I heard a lot of buzz about. I never saw. Um, this was one of those like NPR darlings. So I'm going to say the critics loved it and say 89%. Uh, and I'm going to say that nobody else liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a uh, 53%
2: per audience. Okay. Chris, what do you think?
1: I'm going to Top Rec and say that the critics had an orgasm all over this for no reason. <laughs> and uh, what would you say? 90? He said 80, 89. 80, 89. I'm going to go 92. And I'm going to say for audience, there's got to be more people out there like me. I'm going to say I'm going to just go 50, 50 percent.
2: All right. Virginia?
3: I'm going to say the critics were 80 and the audience was 85.
2: All right. The actual critic score was 96. So Chris, wow. Chris gets that point. Uh, but you're not close enough on the audience. The audience score was 78.
1: Okay. But I mean, I just thought that was a highly, highly overrated film.
2: <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Wine drinking the movie. Um So, it's all tied up. You've all got one point, and we've got two more. Uh, Number four, from 1983, The Outsiders, starring C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. So, Virginia, what do you think?
3: Probably the critics' score, I'm going to go with 93. 93. And I'll say the audience score is also 93.
2: Okay. Rick, what about you? With a
0: cast like that, and I have never heard of it or barely heard of it, uh,
2: 1984? Wait, you've never seen The Outsiders? I was going, Uh, what? (laughs) What? Did you have to read it? Virginia needs to be on your show. (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead, Rick. you, You. Wait, you said what what year? It came out in 83. Yeah. 83.
0: Okay, remember in 83 I had just graduated high school. There was no such thing as a VCR in the average household. Uh and my access to movies was very limited. Um, no excuse, man. Just
1: get I guess, back and,
2: What I remember is wow. because uh we were required. We had we had to watch it. We watched it in school, <laughs> you know, because we had to read the book. And after you read the book, you know, you watch the movie and all that.
0: So, uh, well, I, I have
2: I have no idea. I did see. I rode my bike to see Poltergeist that year.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, and I also I also saw Dawn of the Dead that year at a midnight showing. My friend talked me into going, okay. and then I had to ride my bike back through the student <laughs> ghetto of Gainesville. Uh, at 2 a.m. Oh, and wow. it was a there was a zombie behind every tree.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was not a good night. Um, I okay. So obviously I am woefully uneducated on this movie. So, uh, uh <sighs> that's a hell of a cast. Um, but you guys are the first people to ever tell me I should see it. So I'm still going to say critics 75, audiences 89.
2: Now, I say. I, I mean, if you've never read the book, if you don't have a love for the book, I don't know that you'll be a fan of the movie. <laughs> but, uh, all right, Chris, what do you think?
1: Well, 83, I mean, this this movie and the book loom large for me because 83, I was in middle school, I believe, anyway. 13, is that middle school? I have a really bad memory.
2: Yeah. Like so That's like
1: seventh, grade. eighth grade? Yeah. yeah. So I had just read the book in school because I had to, and then the movie came out, and we watched it over and over and over again. So I'm, I have a tough time with this one because it's just – it's The Outsiders. I mean it, it's, it's, it's The <laughs> Outsiders. Um, shit. Um, I'm going to say Critics 80
2: and Fans 87. All right. The actual Critics score, hell, oh man. Uh, The actual critic score was 64, so Rick actually gets the point, even though he's never seen the movie. Wow. But the critic score was 64, the audience score was 82, and that's, I mean, you said 89, but that's not within five, so uh, yeah, that's very close, but uh, okay, so you've got two points, the other two players have one point each. And did you guys know that there was an Outsiders TV show? What's
0: it about? I, I literally have never heard of it.
2: The Outsiders was a book that was written by S.E. Hinton. and She wrote it when she was 16 years old. And it was about a, uh, a kid from the wrong side of the tracks, quotation marks. Mm-hmm. He was a greaser. It was like the 50s. You know, you had the greasers and the socias. The socias were the upper class kids. And they would have fights and stuff. And... And the main character was Ponyboy, and he lived with his two brothers because their parents had died in, like, a car crash or something a year or so before. So it's it's like a coming-of-age story of him. Oh God,
0: that sounds boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you're 13. Yeah. I guess. You know, I I read... Catcher in the Rye for the first time when I was now, thirty-seven. That book is up I was a pile like, of wow.
1: shit. that was terrible." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta hate that book.
0: <laughs> All right, here's the like, last. This one. guy is an asshole. Why is this? <laughs> Thank so you. Funny. Oh my God, what is the appeal here? He's just a jerk.
2: <laughs> All right, from two thousand seven, Transformers, starring Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, LaBeouf. <laughs> Uh, Megan Fox, Josh Dumal, and directed by Michael Bay.
0: Who can go lower, low enough without too low? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Virginia, what do you think the critic score was for Transformers?
3: I think the critic score was probably pretty low, so I'm going to say 45. But I think the audience has probably enjoyed it because, you know, it's the Transformers. So I'm going to say
2: eighty
3: four okay Rick
0: all right actually I and and Victoria or Victoria God oh, <laughs> it is hot out here Virginia I, I hope that what I just said didn't influence what you said um, because thinking about it, the first one wasn't bad. Uh, I, you know, I am too old for transformers you know I I when they came out, I was like, really? This is just a half hour infomercial every week for bad toys. Um, But my wife is 13 years younger than me and she, you know, Transformers and GI Joe and all that stuff was, that was, that was her jam at the time. If I can get down with the the way the kids talk these days. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You can't. (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Um, So we saw the first Transformers movie and, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. It was giant robots fighting. And, and until the next movie, I thought, you know, that can't be too bad. And it wasn't awful. And Megan Fox was very pretty. Um, and Shia Bo- LaBeouf hadn't demonstrated his insanity to the rest of the world yet.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, so, but I think you're right that the the critics probably weren't fond of it. Uh, so I'm going to say forty, fifty three percent for the critics. But yeah, audiences really enjoyed it, which is why we're still dealing with this franchise today. Uh, and I'm going to say 85 for audiences.
2: All right. Chris?
1: What was Virginia's score for the critics?
2: 45.
1: I'm going to go 39. <laughs> and as far as audiences, I, I don't know. Um, let's say 53.
2: Alright, actual critic score was 57, so Rick was the closest. So you get some points. The the audience score, you right on the money. It was 85, so you get another point. So you get four points. Chris and Virginia had one each. Rick is victorious. Just <laughs>
3: <Blah, blah.
2: laughs> yeah, um, Rick. Rick won a
1: game on the Cosmic Potato Network. <laughs> right. who'd, who'd I am fought.
3: shocked.
1: God, Virginia,
3: right? Uh, did
0: you see that I, coming?
3: I did not.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, one oh, of my, boy, fav- what,
3: what, my favorite. What a just- twist! <laughs> <laughs>
0: My favorite description of the Transformers movies and I wish I could remember the comedian if he, any of y'all know please please tell me. He said watching a modern Transformers movie is like, is like if someone dumped a bunch of matchboxes uh, a bunch of matchbox cars into a garbage disposal. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I mean I can't argue with that. Yeah.
2: The new one doesn't but look bad.
0: We saw we saw Transformers 2 at this at in at the, at the movies and it was boring.
2: I and yeah, Transformers two was not great, and I haven't even watched the last one. Because yeah, we, it just yep, looks like, look like it's way it too much. Too.
1: I my my tolerance for Mark Wahlberg is non existent now. So anything he is in, I am not gonna see.
2: <laughs> uh, let's get on with our uh, our topic for this episode. We're gonna be talking about cops and robbers. Uh, we're gonna name off some of our favorite movies and TV shows that have to do with the good guys versus the bad guys. So these are our favorite, our favorite uh, police movies, or our favorite prison movies, or heist movies, crime thrillers, etc., etc. Or you can just talk about your favorite cop or criminal character from a movie or TV show like maybe you really don't like Hawaii 5o but you really like one character from it. you can talk about that character. We're wide open here this is cops and robbers. So I will go first. My first pick is Manhunter from 1986. Have any of you guys ever seen this movie? Nope. No <laughs> if you're watching cable TV late at night and sometime in the mid nineties you probably would have seen it. It came out in eighty six. It had William Peterson in it, who who played in uh he was the the main guy in C S I for a long time. Uh and it is an adaptation of the book Red Dragon by uh what's the guy that wrote Silence of the Lambs? Thomas, Thomas Harris Thomas Harris, yeah. Um so, I mean, there is a movie called Red Dragon. This came before This is an adaptation of Red Dragon before Silence of the Lambs was even made. Uh, Brian Cox plays Hannibal Lecter in this movie. And I like this movie so much better than the other version of Red Dragon that we got with Ed Norton and, and uh, Anthony Hopkins. Because... The focus of this movie is not on Lecter. You know, the, the the guy is not looking for Lecter's already caught. He's in prison. He goes to Lecter for like some kind of, some, like some advice or whatever on how to find this guy that he's looking for. And less is more because uh, Brian Cox gives a really menacing portrayal as Lecter that's different from what Anthony Hopkins did. By the time they made red dragon, Anthony Hopkins had become so synonymous with that character and made that character so big that they added scenes to the movie that weren't in the book. You know, they just had to add stuff to give him more of a part in the story, even though it wasn't his story. It was another killer killer that they were looking for. So I like this one better. It's, It's usually played late at night on cable, uh, and it's kind of been forgotten there for a while, because, but really, this movie has some beautiful cinematography. The, the 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 color palette changes when when Peterson's character is at home with his wife. the whole, The color palette is blue, and then when he's dealing with the with his work and with the the killer, the color palette changes to green or or, or yellow or something like that. And the the budget was so small. That by the time they got to the shootout towards the end of the film, they were relying on crew members blowing ketchup through garden hoses <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of using squibs and stuff. But you don't notice that. I mean, it's it, it, it's done really well. They did some guerrilla filming. Like there, there's a scene on a plane where Peterson's been going over these files. He's been looking at these pictures of all these. Uh, Murders and really gruesome crime scene photos and stuff like that. And he's looking at the stuff on an airplane. And he falls asleep with the folder open. And there's a kid sitting behind him that sees the pictures. And the mom gets all upset and everything. Well, that scene instead of like getting a license and going and building a set to, to do an airplane scene or something like that, they just bought a ticket and got on a plane and just filmed the scene while they were in the air, you know, which is not the way you're legally supposed to film a movie, but <laughs> but you do what you got to do. So, uh, so yeah, Manhunter from 1986. I think that's a great, it's a crime thriller is what it is. And I think I, I've talked about it on the show before for one of our Halloween episodes as like a psychological thriller. But, yeah, I recommend it. So, uh, Let's go to Virginia next. What's the first one on your list?
3: Well, I don't know if this totally fits in the theme, but since I watched it for the very first time recently, I would say Die Hard. Absolutely. Which I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would, actually.
2: I'm not surprised at that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a solid movie. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Um.
0: If, if it helps, when it came out, it was kind of a surprise to a lot of us that, wow, that was really good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked that. And um, we did an episode about that, which by the time this episode comes out, our episode of Die Hard will probably already be out. So during the during the whole episode we were doing, I kept referring to Reginald VelJohnson's vale Johnson's character as Carl Winslow, because that's all I can see him as, is the cop <laughs> in Ghostbusters. Yeah. And, Carl Winslow in Family Matters, oh, yeah. and now this—you know—now this cop in Die Hard. Um, I don't think I've ever so seen yeah, him play
2: I, anything but either cops or security guards. I've never seen him play. Any
3: yeah, movie. exactly. So um, I really enjoyed it. There was lots of um, cops, explosions, bad guys, good stuff. <laughs> We're definitely going to add it to our Christmas movie list, which yeah. we debated whether or not it's to Christmas movie. Tune in to find out.
2: I, I come down firmly on the side that it's a Christmas movie. I don't care what Bruce Willis said at his roast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you said just like Shane. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get to wear it very
0: often because in Florida it doesn't get cold very much. But uh, a friend of mine, someone gave her this sweatshirt and she didn't want it and she gave it to me. And it's a gray sweatshirt. And written on the front of it in what looks like blood, it says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. wear it out, <laughs> but I wear it around the
2: house. I don't know if you guys uh, are are fans of like, Family Guy. I don't really watch it anymore, but when I was younger, I I, I used to watch Family Guy a lot. And they, they had a spinoff uh, called The Cleveland Show that lasted for a while. And it was about one of the characters from Family Guy doing his own thing. And every year, Family Guy does like a Christmas episode. So the Cleveland show started doing the same thing. And what it is, is uh, the, the main character will tell a story to his family because the power goes out or something like that. So in this episode, his family says, tell us a Christmas story. So he says, okay. So he tells them the story of Die Hard but it's all the Cleveland Show characters playing all the roles and stuff. <laughs> oh
3: my goodness. Yeah, I might cool. have to go find this now. <laughs>
2: it is probably it's probably on Netflix, you know. If if The Cleveland Show is on Netflix, then you'll find it. That yeah, it's pretty good. All right. Uh let's go to Chris next. What's the first one on your list? Uh here's the thing. When you sent the uh the,
1: the topic, I thought we were separating heist movies from prison movies from cops and robbers movies. Yeah, so I, mean, I have can, so many now. I don't know <laughs> what I want. But it, we're just going to go like crime, heists, whatever. Um, I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies of all time to begin. And that's going to be The Sting from 1970 with oh, yeah. Paul Newman and yeah. Robert Redford. And uh, what did I want to say? Doyle. He's, he was one of the biggest actors in the 70s. But I, I first saw him in The Sting. And if you guys are unfamiliar, it's, it's, an, it's an old movie. It will probably come movie. up. It'll probably come up on your movie show, Sean, at some point. Yeah. And um, it was really just one of the first movies I'd, I'd ever seen that was like a caper kind of film. And I liked the fact that it had a huge ensemble cast um, of people that I had seen before. I think I- Eileen Brennan was in it. And, um, aside from, you know, it just a lot of different character actors that you'd like. Ray Walston was in it and it went um, in a lot of different, even James, James Earl Jones is in it. So, um, there's 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 so many like familiar faces but it's got its it's its own kind of comedic yet serious tone and the music by marvin hamlish was um a whole bunch of um ragtime tunes by scott joplin so I have that damn song in the my head for the
0: rest of the night, by it's the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can play
1: it. Maybe play it into the break, Sean. But uh I you know, there's one of the first albums that I bought by myself and I got so much into the music from that movie that I did reports on Scott Joplin when I was in high school. So I mean it opened up different worlds to me other than cinematic, musical as well. And um I just I loved the twist ending. I loved everything about it. So, um, if you guys haven't seen it, I, I would recommend that. It's it's kind of like a cops and robbers, but it's also like a heist. It's also mm-hmm. like a a con. So it's a lot of fun. Right. Is I, anybody you,
0: but be familiar with it? Or? I have not seen it in thirty years, at least. But it's I remember loving it. It's you know it it, it takes you know it's back in the '70s, so the the amount of preparation that had to go into things you know setting up different phone lines and stuff it, it's, right. just, yeah. it, it's it it's it's a movie that only the studio system could have created because of everybody that was in it because they were all owned by very by the studio so they could put you know it's kind of like a it's a mad 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 world not yeah. not similar in plot line but the fact that you can get all of these big names in one movie because the studio owns their souls and they have no choice um <laughs> You know, it, it's it's just it's it's a classic for a good reason, uh, and you know I haven't watched it in forever, and I need to. I need to watch it again. It's I think it set the template for a lot of heist movies and and a lot of of uh, TV shows and stuff where elaborate stings, for want of a better word, mm. are are set up and pulled off, and and it, yeah, and and Redford's just you know. There's a reason he was a movie star. (laughs) He's he's terrific, and so is Paul Newman. But you can't say enough also about
1: Charles Durning, kind of set like an archetype with his character of the cop that was was chasing uh, Johnny Hooker. That was Robert Redford's character throughout the movie. So, yeah, there was just a lot going on, and all of it worked. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's one of those that uh, I've heard of. And never actually got around to watching. So yeah, I need to write it down on my list. <laughs> the thing is, it's also
1: it's, it's it's not told in a style that wears that ages poorly. It it still is, I think, very accessible by contemporary audiences.
2: All right, uh, Rick, what's the first one oh. on your list? Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> uh,
0: I'm 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 yeah. No, I'm fine. Uh, Robocop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robocop. <laughs> it counts. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I will tell you that all of the movies on my list are old ones because I kind of stopped watching cop movies a while back. Um, so, but Robocop was great. Uh, and I'm talking the original. What was it? 1983? No, it couldn't have been 83. It was more like 86, 85, 86. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, hang on. Consult the Oracle original RoboCop directed by Paul Verhoeven yeah starring Peter Weller not Ed Harris <laughs> uh, 87 okay not not bad um I remember my my girlfriend at the time and I were watching uh Sis- Siskel and Ebert what was her show called at the movies or something like that yeah at the movies um and RoboCop was being, you know, the trailers were all over the place and we were like, oh, geez, this is going to suck balls. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's 87 <laughs> degrees and I'm drinking beer. I apologize. Um, and then they both gave it a thumbs up. And we were like, because <laughs> so, they don't like anything that we like. You know, at, at the time, it was like if it was a genre film, they they either ignored it or or panned it. Yeah. And... So we we're like well I guess we'd better check this out and we went and it blew us away pardon the pun um and it's not because of the action uh you know the action is fine uh, you know watching uh peter weller get blown apart by um oh who played who played uh the, the red foreman yeah, uh, yeah. P- yeah. Kurt, kurt, uh, kurt smith kurtwood smith kurt uh, you know, that's the first time I saw him. So seeing him in that that seventies show was kind of like, can you fly, Bobby? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, watching him get blown away and you know the practical effects of that were were pretty pretty intense for nineteen eighty seven. Um, but it wasn't necessarily the main storyline that was the that was so awesome about this film. It was all the commercials. It was all the political satire. Yeah, in the movie, um it just it, it came out of nowhere we had never seen anything like it you know the the, the basic storyline if you're not familiar with robocop is peter weller is a cop in detroit and detroit and it's like the the a slightly future detroit where the you know the the city has gone to hell and they and they're they're on the verge of privatizing the police force uh and this company OCP is getting ready to to take over the police force, but they need to get this one project through, and it's all kind of hush hush and behind closed doors and stuff. And Peter Weller and his partner, played by a really really terrible actress, <laughs> which <just>, is <laughs> I can't I can't remember her name, but even you know she was awful. Um, they go on a they go on a call, and and he just gets shot to he just killed he gets killed. And in a very gruesome way, and like they, they you know, Kurtwood Smith blows his hand off with a shotgun and then they shoot the hell out of him. And, and he wakes up, they, they take him as, you know, as far as the law is concerned, he's dead. So they take his body and they turn him into RoboCop. And most everybody, if you haven't seen the movie, you at least know what RoboCop looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is OCP's big way to, to privatize police work. And the the plot is about him busting the gang and and finding out that it's all OCP is behind everything and there's drugs and big guns and a guy gets thrown into a vat of acid and you know it it's a fun action movie but then there's all of this you know I'll buy that for a dollar and oh, the, yeah, and yeah. the <laughs> Plymouth SUX or whatever and and there's just all of this satire in these commercials there's a the kids playing a game called Holocaust or nuclear fallout i forget what it is but it's just like it's this unflinching commentary on society at now and in the future and it's just it's just brilliant because you're not expecting it uh which is where the Robo- Robocop remake of a couple of years ago totally failed yeah uh because it didn't have any of that it just took it, it, it looked at the wrong part of Robocop and remade that uh, and now I understand Paul Verhoeven is doing is is supposed to be doing a new RoboCop movie that's kind of a direct sequel to I
2: the think sequel, maybe RoboCop I think. 2 yeah, um, I think it's a sequel to 2
0: yeah now I didn't think RoboCop 2 was as good as RoboCop 1 because again it got rid of all of the it, you know it didn't have any of the satire it was just here's RoboCop and here's a guy getting disemboweled on screen and you know I I, I I didn't like it as much, but I think the original RoboCop movie is a, you know, it's a classic for a reason. If I can repeat myself, uh, it, it works beautifully. Now I'll I'll admit I haven't watched it in a few years, but, um, I would imagine it still holds up some of the effects, you know, the ed two Oh nine stop motion thing may be a little dated, but for the most part, uh, I think it's, it's a really good movie. The guy that plays, um, the, the the head of a uh, police academy is in it and he's great. <laughs> uh, and you've got Ronnie Cox is the bad guy who Ronnie Cox always plays a fantastic bad guy. Now, granted it's one of the worst uh, 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 dummy scenes when he finally gets thrown out of the building, but yeah. you know, what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> so. I'm just still here reeling that you called Nancy Allen a terrible actress. I mean, she was a big star. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but have you seen Have you seen her performance in RoboCop? She's I haven't awful. seen RoboCop
1: since the theater. I, mean, oh, she, I just she's like big star. Carrie. She's in Dress to Kill. She's in a ton of stuff that she was like the lead.
2: So, well, and, big star and good actress are not necessarily the same thing. <laughs> well, maybe she got maybe, maybe after that movie she got some lessons. But <laughs> she <Yeah>. was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Verhoeven did a lot of that. That political satire kind of stuff kind of carried over to Starship Troopers. He did a lot of that. Oh yeah, that stuff. That's the years. only redeeming quality about Star Tro- Starship Starship
1: oh, Troopers.
2: Oh no, you,
0: you're
2: <laughs> not Chris, welcome on this show I anymore. You I love you lately. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you. This is the Sean and Virginia show now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Rick, would you like to know more?
0: Would Every it, time yeah. I crap on Starship Troopers, somebody gives me crap. I'm like. Did you read the book?
2: The first, the, <laughs> I didn't the read first the book Starship Troopers, I, I thought was great. Now the second one, they, when it gets on further in the series, but anything you can say that they, would it be would it surprise you at all to find out that there were actually six RoboCop movies? Because no. they had the the first two were theatrically released, and then they had the third one that was straight to video, and then there was a trilogy that was made for the Sci Fi Channel. Uh. They were awful. (laughs) And there was a TV series that was kind of based on the third movie. And then this is also one of the first, one of the only R-rated films that I remember having a cartoon series and a toy line. Like, I mean, all, all movies have toy lines now. But, you know, back then to actually have toys marketed to kids, not collectors, you know it was alien, alien <laughs> got Rival. a toy line which made no sense yeah so go, yeah <laughs> but saturday morning cartoon of robocop <laughs> you know yeah video games and all that kind of stuff so we'll return after these messages
0: hey you listener! do i have everybody's attention now you like
1: professional wrestling what? if so you'll love review a mania where Rob and Zack break down every Wrestlemania You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan
2: And what it gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you?
3: Macho man Randy Savage Oh yeah! Ric Flair
2: Kid stealing! Woo! Wheel of dealing! Limousine like Jet flying! Son of a gun! Bret Hart The best there is! The best there was!
3: And the best there ever will be! Shawn Michaels red heart you are a zero my hero john cena the champ is here Brock lesnar
0: suplex city bitch and so many more that i don't have time to even name
1: check out review mania right here on CosmicPotato.com, or on itunes stitcher soundcloud spreaker
0: it's a happening Right here on CosmicPotato.com
3: Hey
2: everybody, I'm Troy And I'm AJ And we are the hosts of the World War G podcast Along with Colton, but he's not here right now Yeah, so pay no attention Uh, and we're a podcast about everything geek. We talk about, uh, movies, television. Video games, comic books. Uh, we got movie commentaries, the occasional taste tests, like these lovely pina colada Oreos. Just don't try the Coke ones. No. Dang. What do we say after that? (laughs) Dang it. Um. So oh, okay. I'm over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can find us right here at CosmicPotato.com or at WorldWarG.Podbean.com. Or wherever else you get your podcasting fix. And as always, stay geeky, my friends. Virginia Hay, and
3: you're listening to Cosmic
2: Potato. All right, my next one is uh, Wanted, Dead or Alive from 1987, starring Rutger Hauer, uh, Gene <gasps>
1: Oh, that's a great movie.
2: Yeah, Gene Simmons and Robert... Yes! It, pr- <laughs> make sure I pronounce this right. Robert Gu- Guillaume? Is that how you pronounce his name? Guillaume. Oh, Guillaume. Guillaume. Okay, Guillaume. Okay. Guillaume.
1: Guillaume. Oh, are we talking about Benson? Benson. Yeah, Benson. <laughs> that's Robert <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Guillaume. And uh, directed by Gary Sherman. If you remember the TV series uh, "Wanted: Dead or Alive," starring Steve McQueen from the '50s, this movie is based on that. Even though it's set in the '80s, Rutger Hauer plays Nick Randall, and he's a descendant of Josh Randall, which is the character that McQueen played in in that movie in in that TV series. But it's basically a one bounty hunter versus one bad guy kind of story. You know, he's, he's assigned to track down this terrorist that Gene Simmons is playing. And Gene Simmons is pretty good in this too. I mean, he doesn't really say a lot, but he's menacing. And the first time you see him, he blows up a movie theater full of people, <laughs> you know? And, uh, it's, the, I found this movie in the bargain bin at Blockbuster one day and bought it for like a dollar and watch, and watched it. Cause I was a kiss fan when I was in my twenties. And, uh, Gene, seeing Gene Simmons in a movie was cool. Now I think he's full of himself, and I can't watch him. You know, yeah. But, but, uh, and I, I, I'm spoiling a 31 year old movie. But the ending, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, the, the, the whole <laughs> I love conceit, that scene. The whole conceit of the movie <laughs> is that he has to bring Gene Simmons in, but he gets paid more if he's alive. So he has him tied up and he has a grenade stuffed in his mouth and someone says, you know, if you kill him you won't get the bonus. He says, "F the bonus." And he pulls the pin and the movie ends with Simmons getting his head blown off, you know. Yeah. It was it was, it, it was Well, awesome. he's leading him by the
0: pin and the grenade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's pulling him along with the with the yeah. Did you ever see Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park?
2: Yes. Oh,
0: Rick, you really need
1: to listen to the latest episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you do the one where he leaps into the Kiss Dude? Yes, we did. Okay, and that's one of, the, one of the few episodes I did see. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, we Glitter Rock, and we did Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park uh, discussion in the second half of the show. So, and then it comes back again, because a lot of people have a lot to say about that movie, so there was a lot of feedback, too. So, <laughs> okay. But by all accounts, it's freaking awful.
2: Um, Joe was doing a, a screening of that movie at dragon con this year. And I told it more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I watched kiss versus the Phantom of the
0: park when it originally aired. Yeah. Um, and even at, I, I think I was like eight, something like, yeah, I was in middle school. So it was like, you know, eight or eight or nine or whatever. No, I wasn't middle school. I was sixth grade. So I was 11. Um, even then I could tell that, uh, Peter, Ace, and and uh, uh, Paul could not act to save their lives. Oh, no. At least Gene could read a line and sound like he was talking. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, they're I all... I
1: think are like doing yeah, that as a bonus plan. episode for Patreon, so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right. Uh, Virginia, I'm, I imagine you've probably never seen it. No. Wait, you've I've never, never seen, seen One of Dinner* or <laughs> Oh, you've never seen it either, Chris? Uh, It's it's great. It's, I mean, because it's just, it's one of these movies that you would expect to see late at night on cable or something like that, you know. Uh, My cousin was a crazy Kiss fan when we were younger. And when he saw that I had bought that movie, he's like, wait, I love that movie. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just one of those movies that you either, you either really, really like it. Or you could care less, you know, it's, it but but I think I think it's a great a great movie. And I didn't that know. That was around the
0: same time that, that Howard did uh, Blind Fury, wasn't it?
2: Uh, that sounds about right. I did not know when I first watched it that it was based on anything. I did not I'd never at the time I didn't even know what wanted Dead or Alive the T V series was. But that was a Western, right? The Steve McQueen show, that was a western and this is Dude, like a- I just found out tonight that it was based on something. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's a, well. I mean, I would I would say it's spinoff, I guess, or something they just wanted to use the title. <laughs> so, all right, uh, go back around to Virginia. What's the next one on your list?
3: So, my next one is more private detective, and it's a well, it streams on Netflix. Um, it's an Australian show called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. And the thing I love about this is it's set in 1920s Australia, and it's it's about this woman named Bryony Fisher, who um, is a private detective, and her business cards say Lady Detective on them, which I think is kind of adorable, Mm -hmm. and... um, she just does whatever she wants and just solves mysteries left and right. And it's really great. Like, she wears pants and drives her own car and has her own house, which is like unheard of in the 20s. And she's like way smarter than all the cops, which is great. There's supposed to be a movie coming out, but they've been saying that for a few years. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they do that. Is a this lot. A, <laughs> a limited series on Netflix or is it an ongoing thing that they give you new seasons of all the time?
3: Um, they, within the past year, they've put up season three. I don't know if it's still going on, if there'll be more seasons, but I think there's at least three right now. Cool.
2: All Okay. Chris, what's the next one on your list?
1: I'm going to move down to what the hell? Uh, we're going to go with robbers. I just remember, and I've only seen it once, but it was spectacular. I couldn't tell you anything about the plot, but I recommend you watch this movie tomorrow. It's Snatch. The Guy Ritchie movie, Snatch. It was, from what I remember, amazing. And Brad Pitt pulls this performance as like this gypsy, bare-knuckled boxer that you can't understand a word he says, and he steals the film. But it's kind of like one of those Tarantino-esque caper heist crime movies. And they go back and forth between a bunch of different characters. But um, it's just... Even though it, it has that, that sort of that feel to it, it's got that Guy Ritchie flair. And this is before he became full of himself. It's when he was doing like lock stock and two smoking barrels and he was sort of still finding his style before he became Guy Ritchie, I guess. Yeah. And everything about this movie works. There's comedy, there's violence, there's gore, and it was engaging from start to finish. So I would say if you're going to look for something that's different, try Snatch. Have you guys has, – has anyone seen it? I have not negative I
3: have not I have, I have wow. tried
1: never mind
0: I'm <laughs> 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 gonna get an e rating Rick <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult for me to behave on the best of nights I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> all
2: right yeah okay uh who's and Rick Rick you're next
0: uh okay i'm a I'm a little torn um i I <sighs> All right. I don't know if this counts or not, but since you mentioned robbers, um, have any of y'all seen the court jester? No.
3: No, I don't think so.
0: Way, way back. Uh, Let me get a date for you here. Um, 1955. Danny Kay. Oh Oh my god, I love
3: Danny Kay. Yes, I have seen this. (laughs)
0: Uh, Danny Kay, Angela Lansbury, Basil Rathbone. Uh, It is kind of Danny Kay's comedic musical take on Robin Hood. Oh okay. Uh, uh, With a little, with a little bit of Zorro thrown in, because uh, Danny Kay is like one of. The Foxes, Merry Men. So we're it, you know, it's like we're we're playing, we're doing Robin Hood, but we're not doing Robin Hood. Um, and if you're familiar with Danny Kay at all, he was a song and dance man from the 50s and the 40s, and and uh uh he just this movie is something that I've loved my entire life. It's uh,
3: so good.
0: It is, and it it's one of those films that you guys may not have had well, I don't know, y'all you know, maybe maybe just Old enough to have remembered, like in the days before cable, when Saturday and Sunday afternoon television was just this wasteland of either yes. talk shows. I <laughs> <or, laughs> you know, old movies and stuff. And a lot of times it was just old, boring movies. We, ha- we always uh, had
2: like Little Rascals and Blondie would come on. Sunday yeah, afternoons. <laughs>
0: or or oh, the, the, you know, and, and no offense to anyone, but you know, to a to a, a, a six-year-old kid living in Connecticut soul train was just death (laughs) be like church all morning and then soul train for like four hours in the afternoon I was like oh yes I'm gonna go outside and play now that that worked (laughs) but the court jester would appear what would come up every now and then and then uh, uh, you know my wife and I got married and we're we're big fans of of medieval reenactment and stuff that's kind of how we got we met and stuff and so I sort of had this memory of this movie, The Court Jester, and we found it on on demand somewhere, and we watched it together. And it it holds up so well uh, because Danny Kaye is like he's like the everyman. He's he's all of us that want to be the hero, but but nobody takes him seriously, and then he ends up being thrust into becoming the hero whether he wants to or not, and it. You know and and they're all the robbers of course they're the good they're the good guys, but they're the outlaws cause of the evil king et cetera et cetera uh and it you know it's the Robin Hood story uh maybe maybe Errol Flynn owns some sort of copyright on Robin Hood, I don't know because it's it's like you could see they wanted to be Robin Hood but they just don't say Robin Hood right um hmm. Mm -hmm. but the musical numbers all fit into the film they don't feel like they don't make any sense a lot of the 50s musicals are just like hey let's sing now okay why not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but they did they did a great job of folding the musical numbers into the movie into the plot uh there's this hilarious jousting scene uh their danny danny k's character has to be knighted and so there's this just just amazing nighting sequence. Uh, the, 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 the the pellet with the poisons and the be- vessel with the pestle, the chalice from the palace oh, holds the I've seen
1: some of this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Uh, you're bringing back
1: memories, like you said, of just that wasteland weekend TV. Holy uh, moly, Rick. <laughs>
0: um, and Angela Lansbury in her 20s. Oh my God. I'd just say she was a babe. Um, it's hard to imagine Angela Lansbury being anything less than 70 years old but yeah and Danny Kaye is one hell of a swordsman or was he's not with us anymore but uh, so uh, yeah the court jester. check it out you won't be sorry
2: alrighty Um, I think we got time for one more and then maybe throw in some honorable mentions I'm gonna go with uh, Jackie Brown Jackie Brown from 1997. Uh, when I was 20 years old, there were two things that I loved: Quentin Tarantino movies and Elmore Leonard novels. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a perfect storm! Yeah. So by this by this time, uh, Elmore Leonard had had a few of his books turned into movies. It started with Get Shorty, and then they started like every year there would be like an Elmore Leonard novel would be made into a movie. So they gave this one to Quentin Tarantino. The book was Rum Punch. And he turned it into Jackie Brown. And I think this is the only movie that Quentin Tarantino has ever done that was like an adaptation of a novel or something. He usually writes his own stuff. Um, But this this movie is fantastic from the very first scene. It just sucks you in. Dealing with bad people doing bad things, which is something that uh, Tarantino did in Pulp Fiction and... You, you know, your mileage may vary on Pulp Fiction. I like it, but I, I loved it the first time I saw it when I was seventeen. You know, and this, I think, if you compare these two movies, Jackie Brown is better than than Pulp Fiction by far, in my opinion. It's a tribute to like black exploitation films of the seventies, which Greer Pam Greer was a star of a few of those movies. But it, it's almost a heist movie because the whole thing deals with the sum. $550,000 and there are all these groups making deals with each other for the same money, you know and uh, nobody knows what the other one's doing and, and all that, and it's got some great performances from Samuel L. Jackson like I said, Pam Greer uh, Robert Forrester Rob- Robert Forster was a guy that I had never heard of before this but he made an impression on me in this movie, and I love Robert Forrester now, he shows up in stuff and I freak out he was in one scene in the last season of Breaking Bad, I'm like, "Hey, it's Robert Forrest. <laughs> you know? Uh They made a TV show in the early 2000s. It seems like it was like 2003 or four. And uh, have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Out of Sight that had Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney in it? No. Okay, mm-hmm. it, it was, I, I a, know of it. Yeah, it was another Elmore Leonard novel. Well, after that movie, um, they took. The character that Jennifer Lopez played in that movie, her name was Karen Cisco, and they turned that into a show starring Carla Gugino, is that how you pronounce her name?
1: I love Carla Gugino. You can pronounce it any way you want.
2: <laughs> and uh, Robert Forster played her father in that in that show. And uh, I think I thought that actually actually add that show to my list <laughs> because uh, it it only lasted ten episodes, but it was it was a good show. Karen Sisko, I don't know where in the world you would find it now. Maybe some clips on YouTube or something like that. But but uh, but yeah. Um, and then I'll I'll throw in some uh, honorable mentions before I throw it over to Virginia Um, two prison movies and they're both Stephen King adaptations you got uh, The Shawshank Redemption of course Uh, you know it's not a lot of people didn't even realize that that was a Stephen King story when it came out it was one of his shorter stories it was a novella that he wrote in different seasons and it's not supernatural it's not horror you know it's just a story it's got Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman in it and it's great um, and then the green mile, which is another Stephen King prison movie. Oh yeah. If that, with that book, when that book came out, he wrote it in a serial fashion. So like, a, a a couple chapters would come out every month for six months and you would, you would go in and you'd buy the next, the next few chapters. and, and then after the whole series came out, then they, they made this movie and it had, uh, Michael Clark Duncan in, in the, uh, not the lead role, but he was the prisoner that the book was about, and Tom Hanks was in it, and it had uh, Dabs Greer from Little House on the Prairie. This is his last uh, his last movie before he passed away. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Doug Hutchison. He was really creepy in this movie. He was like the he was one of the guards, but he was kind of like the bad guy. Uh,
1: um, he's the same one that played Stingo in Sophie's Choice, and he was sort of like the 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 puppet in Ghostbusters 2. So no, hmm.
2: that's not the same no, guy. that's not um, him. That's not the same guy. I swear to God, it was the same guy. No, you're thinking. Oh, I can't remember that. Crab. Yeah, you're thinking of the guy that used to play on Numbers. Um, I can't remember his name. No, this is Doug Hutchison. He uh, let he's me, played me in me a few things up. since, and he always played the creepy dude. And now I know why he played the creepy dude because when when he was 51, he married a 16 year old girl and made a reality show out of it. <laughs> so oh, nice. Yeah. So there's that. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but he had her mother's permission, of course, because he had lots and lots of money. But, um, but yeah, he, uh, he was good in this movie. But when going back, after you find out something like that about somebody, you go back and watch them, you're like, oh, dude. <laughs> it's like trying to watch he, He's the one Spacey who didn't,
0: make, you know? he's the one who didn't soak the sponge, right?
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always thought it was that guy from Sophie's Choice. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
2: mm. No, that, uh, I can't, re- yeah, I, I could look it up. But I know who you're talking about. It's not him. Uh, actually, I will look it up. Let me look it up. Because he was in the... Are you talking about the dude that was in, uh, in Ally McBeal? Yeah, yeah, him. That yeah. was the guy from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Well, then he was kind of in... He, he was the
0: Dragon Slayer. Remember
2: Dragon Peter, Slayer?
0: Peter
1: Mancioni, I think is his Peter, name. Peter, no, um... It's Peter I mean, something. All right. Peter oh, Mcneil Mac- Mac- Peter McNichol
2: yeah that's yes, it. yeah, that's
1: you it. know I just I, I need oh, my yeah. glasses.
2: <laughs> I have it up, <laughs> and I still can't read it, yeah but, uh, um, yeah, but um the Green Mile is a uh is a great movie, and it's one of those it's, it's really long, but you don't realize how long it is until it's over because it's, it's, it's I just, have to ask you a good. question, Sean. Sure, I hate to interrupt you. you always bring up well, it's kind of long.
1: But it was good. Like, is it like, like, do you like look at your watch? Like you said the same thing uh, sh- a few shows back about Mission Impossible. Uh, it's really long,
2: but it was good. Like, I, what's I, your cutoff where it's not really long? I say that as a warning to people that go watch it. <laughs> okay. I'm warning them that this is a long movie. <laughs> you know, All right. I don't mind I, I didn't know movies. if it was a pet peeve of yours
1: or it's no. just it just strikes me. It's like you always give that caveat. So I don't no, mean to I, derail I, things.
2: I, I do not mind long movies. I just feel like if I'm recommending something to someone, I need to warn them. If the movie is more than two and a half hours long, I need to tell them it's, it's a long movie, but but (laughs) you're going to like it. It's a good movie, you know, carry on. All right. No, that's all I had to say. Those were my honorable mentions. I'm going to throw it over to Virginia. What have you got?
3: Um, my last one is oceans eight, which I saw earlier this summer, which I really liked. um, I probably, I went and saw it as a matinee on a weekend, which is about as much money as I wanted to spend on a movie like that. But Kate Blanchett, How Do I Love Thee? She's amazing. She's so great. Um,
0: Please please don't spoil it, because we we still want to see it. It got away before we got a chance to.
3: Okay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, some of it was kind of predictable, um, but some of it I didn't see coming, which... I mean maybe that's just me not being perceptive but I was pleasantly surprised. So um yeah, it's just your um a little bit of a different heist movie than the other ocean movies I think, but I liked it a lot.
0: Yeah. Do you it, have to have seen the other movies to watch no, this one?
3: No, 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 no.
0: no. Okay,
3: good.
2: No. no. the I mean the only thing that it has to do with the it, this is supposed to be the character that George Clooney played in those other three movies. Sandra Bullock is supposed to be his sister, and uh, okay, and she yeah been, that's
3: about all you need to know.
2: She's been in prison for some reason that I can't remember why they said she was in, and she's getting out, and now she's wanting to pull a, a, another heist, and she's getting her group together. So it follows the same formula of the of the other Oceans movies, but it's it, but it's different. You know, it, it's not the same old thing over again you know it's it's good i liked it uh chris what's the last one on your list uh i'm gonna go obscure
1: since every other one on my list everyone's probably seen or familiar with but if you want to see something that you probably haven't seen this is an old one it's a black and white one from 1955 it's called Rafifi, and my wife and i watched it on turner one night just because we i don't even know why but it turned it was like a jewel heist movie and it was amazing. It was a French movie, and I'm going to read the uh, synopsis from Wikipedia. Out of prison after a five year stretch, jewel thief Tony turns down a quick job his friend Joe offers him until he discovers that his old girlfriend, Motto, has become the lover of local gangster Pierre Goutier during Tony's absence, expanding a minor smash and grab into a full-scale jewel heist. Tony and his crew appear to get away clean, but their actions after the job is completed threaten the lives of everyone involved. And it was a good movie, like uh, like a good old movie, but then it turned great because the sequence where they are robbing the jewelry store mm-hmm. is amazing. It is such a good movie, and it's shot because they're doing it under the cover of darkness, almost completely in silence. So there's not a lot of dialogue, but the actors play so well off of each other that it was – I I couldn't believe when I was watching it how good it was and how I had never heard of it before. But it turns out that this is a real real classic. It's kind of noirish, but not really. It's just a good crime thriller and a good heist movie. And it gets a, it gets a little bit maudlin at the end, but that's worth um, seeing all the rest of it, in my opinion. Has anyone ever even heard of this besides me? I've heard of it. I've never have, seen it.
2: Yeah, uh, the name sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, what and I'm again, Sean, with with the movie shows that you guys are doing, you and Troy. I wouldn't be surprised if this one turns up on the top 100 list either.
2: How do you spell
1: it? Fi. R I F I F I.
2: All right. Sounds good. You have any uh, honorable mentions you want to throw in?
1: Oh yeah, I'm just going to read down the list. When I thought it was going to be broken down into, um, so for heist movies, Oceans Eleven and Oceans Thirteen, you can kind of keep Oceans Twelve. Um, and there was an old TV show with Donald Long called Nights of Prosperity, which always cracked me up. It was about them trying to rob Mick, Mick Jagger. Um, prison movies: Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood, uh, Silver Streak with uh, Gene Wilder, oh, yes. and and uh richard pryor oh and... yeah we bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also there was a great prison break movie that i saw when i was a kid on one of those sunday afternoon wasteland days it's from 1970 it starred Reneo aubergenois oh. it was called the birdman and it was about some guys who were captive in a castle in world war ii and built a glider out of a bathtub to escape i think it's based on a true story uh, it was really good. It engaged me when I was young. And if it wasn't a cartoon back then, I didn't have any interest. So I wonder how it holds up today. I wonder if you can even find it. Um, as far as just cops and robbers, I would have to say that uh, two terrific series that you might want to check out. The Shield from FX, which is coming out in Blu-ray yeah. next year. Yeah. And uh, the first two seasons of The Wire, especially before it goes into like the newspaper and the politics side of it um really deals with like policing and it is an amazing show. Just the the politics and just the dirty the dirty playing that goes on. And if you want God, as as just as far as robbers, I don't know if this qualifies, but I have to mention train spotting, which is about a bunch of ne'er do wells and drug addicts. So Mm -hmm. I guess they're criminals. Yeah, <laughs> but I absolutely love, love, love that movie. That movie made me change my opinion on so many things. It it just completely changed my outlook on a lot of stuff. So That's the book is amazing. I mean, the movie is amazing.
2: Yeah, it's a movie that I've been meaning to go back and watch because I watched it when it first came out on uh, video, and and then when Train Spotting Two came out a year or so ago. I tried to watch it and then I realized I didn't remember anything about the first movie, <laughs> so I was like, "I can't watch this. I don't know who any of these people are." So G-
1: I turned it T2 was pretty good, but what I hated about it is that they brought at the end of that movie. Mark starts out right where he was at the beginning of Train Spotting. Yeah, and it, it doesn't make sense in in a little bit deeper. I mean, when I read Train Spotting, I became a fan of the author Irvine Welsh, and I've read pretty much everything he's ever written since then. And he always writes about, you know, just like scumbags and sleazoids and drug addicts. And he's always like got a dark edge to his stuff. But it's always fascinating. It's some of the some of the non-genre stuff that I read, some of the you know, some one of the few non-genre authors that I like. And he did do um, a sequel to Spotting called Porno. But it's nothing like that movie. That movie is its own thing, even though they are saying that parts of it are based on it, it, it maybe a tiny bit. And then he did a prequel called Skag Boys, which was amazing. So, I mean, if you like the movie, I can recommend the books as well, um, but especially Trainspotting and Skag Boys. They're really two terrific books. But those are my honorable mentions.
2: All right. Rick, what about you? What you got?
0: OK, uh, I'm going to finish up with now, I, you know, I, I kind of uh, y'all may have guessed just based on the antiquity of the films I'm, uh, I'm bringing up here. The, the, the cop genre is not really my thing um so i'm kind of having to reach for for a lot of these uh but it just occurred to me there is one series of films that i love it's not all of them uh it's a very small slice of them but they are a lot of fun and that is the pink panther movies oh yeah. <laughs> not the not not steve martin i i didn't see that i don't want to see it i don't want to know what he did i love steve martin i don't I don't want that tarnished (laughs) because (laughs) I I have heard that those did not go well. Um, My father, uh, okay, I don't know if, if, okay, here's a little bit of background on me. My folks split up when I was two, so I only saw my father every other weekend uh, until we moved to Florida and then only saw him at Christmas time and then he passed away when I was 14. Uh, One of the most wonderful memories I have of my dad was when Return of the Pink Panther came out. Uh, and uh, oh, when did this movie come out? Uh, damn it, Wikipedia, you don't tell me the year! <laughs> 75. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. And so I would have been 11. And so I think he was thrilled that I was old enough that we could go see this. And we went to the movie theater and we saw this. This was Peter Sellers as the bumbling French uh detective, Inspector Clouseau. Mm-hmm. And the first, the the Return of the Pink Panther and The Pink Panther Strikes Again, and maybe Revenge of the Pink Panther. Those three movies, granted, Clouseau got more ridiculous with each one as Things are want to do. Uh, And I have since found out that Peter Sellers was probably not the nicest guy on earth. Uh, That's putting it mildly. (laughs) But I think those movies are brilliant examples of how slapstick humor can be done right. Uh, You know, slapstick has kind of taken a a hit in the last maybe decade or so as being uh, uh, beneath. Uh, uh i don't know you know low humor whatever you know in this age of reality tv to be calling anything you know low i think is kind of hip- 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 hypocritical mm-hmm. uh but the pink panther movies are genius maybe overstating it a little bit although i don't know i you know it, it it's been a long time since i've seen them but uh you know they were they, Despite the ludicrous nature of the character, uh, Sellers played him completely straight. Uh, and that's one of the things that's, that, that's a kind of humor I love. Cause I I grew up watching Monty Python. Uh, and I've also, I have been the director of improv and sketch comedy troops and stuff. So I've, I've always insisted that comedy has to come out of the situations that the, you know, you have to play the character straight and let the, let the situation be funny. And while Peter Sellers as Clouseau, you know, the accent is certainly ludicrous. uh, At least in those three movies, return of the pink Panther, the pink Panther strikes again and revenge of the pink Panther. um, They were played straight and just the, the ludicrousness of what was going on was where the comedy came from. Uh, You know, his, his, My my favorite bits in all of those movies is his butler slash manservant Cato, who has standing orders to attack him at any moment to try to keep him on his yeah. toes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and just you know those scenes alone are are worth the price of admission. Uh, you know, just when you know he he walks into his apartment and then he's attacked and and by by his his butler and then they they destroy the place. And then decide, OK, good. Now, now, please, you know, um, dinner. <laughs> you know, it's just um, I, I love these movies so much. Uh, and his his boss, uh, Dreyfus, who is going more and more insane with each movie because Clouseau is such an idiot and so bum- and, and so inept. And yet he keeps solving the crimes. And every time he does, Dreyfus goes a little further off the edge. And, uh, just everybody plays the parts so well. And, uh, I just, I, I love them. I, I, you know, we're, we're talking a very thin sliver of things that got taken way too far later. But, and and I, I remember, I think I watched a shot in the dark, which was the second one at some point, but it was a little too subtle for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I think, you know, Return of the Pink Panther is where it really it really takes off for me. Uh and, and you get, you know, does your dog bite? <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> uh so I I, I can you know. Now as far as honorable mentions go, I think I don't think we can have this show and not mention the Lethal Weapon series.
2: Yep. Uh, you All know. Right.
0: Granted, Mel Gibson has proven to be something of a scumbag, <laughs> but uh his insanity as, uh, Riggs, he was Riggs. Yeah. Murtaugh, yes. Murtaugh was Danny Glover. Uh, you know, they set the stage for so many tropes later on and, you know, who of us hasn't uttered the line, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <somewhat> right. <laughs> uh, so there, there you go. That that's me.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also ironic that the, uh, the TV show *Lethal Weapon* that's been on for the last couple of years, the dude that plays Riggs on that also turned out to be a scumbag in real life. <laughs> oh, what a shock! <laughs> yeah. he, uh, and he's been fired from the show. They're going to recast his, his part and everything. Uh, as far as the *Pink wow. Panther*, that, that those those movies with Steve Martin were not bad. They just they were not. They were made for kids. I mean, they they made a, It was a kids' movie basically. Because I watched yeah. that with my daughter when she was probably about six and there's a scene in there where uh Steve Martin is trying to learn how to speak with an American accent and he's he's saying the phrase I would like to buy a hamburger but he keeps saying I would like to buy a hamburger that kind of stuff and he says it about fifty times and says you know my daughter was six so she <laughs> said it about a thousand times over the next few days. I would like to buy a hamburger <laughs> 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 all right uh before we close out I wanted to go to the facebook page and read a few um i put i put on the facebook page earlier uh which ones of these uh would you guys recommend you know uh as far as cop movies robber movies heist movies stuff uh so john irons uh said uh, the fugitive ooh <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> uh, my wife Sherry says any oceans movie. Garrett Bracken says Bandits. Uh, Troy Wood from the World War G podcast says Heat. Uh, Dick Tracy, The Rock, Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile. John Irons also said Men in Black and Justified, the TV series Justified. Uh, Bullet Bingo, one of our listeners, he uh, he says Seven uh the lethal weapons uh, not lethal weapon the naked gun series and you know, <laughs> he also said uh die hard and uh and then uh, bullet also said uh robocop and then john finished it off with the 48 hours movies 48 hours and another 48 hours so there, oh there, there's one
0: other I want to throw out as as a, an honorable mention um Shit! I just blanked on the name of the movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I have to, I have to look it up. Um, also, when uh, when Chris was talking about uh, Robert Red, not Robert Redford, uh, I'm blank, I'm blanking.
1: Train spotting? You
2: no, know, <laughs> Paul Newman. Yeah, Paul Newman. Uh, yeah. The cool Hand Luke came to mind. Cool Hand Luke was yeah. a, a a prison movie, and we were actually at work. We were just watching the scene where he, where he has to eat all the eggs. <laughs> We were watching that at work the other day.
1: I don't think I've ever seen that beyond the scene where the girl's washing
2: the car. Because oh, really? <laughs>
1: that's what they always play in all, like, the clips about, you know, these are the great movie moments of whatever. And oh, no, uh,
2: the scene that I remember from that is when one of the other prisoners bets him that he can't eat, uh, I think it's 50 hard-boiled eggs. Um, and he, so he does, and they show him just one after one eating a hard-boiled egg. And he's getting sicker and sicker as he's doing it. but.
0: <laughs> Um, the one I the one I was I blanked on because brain dead fifty three four years old <laughs> however they want running scared Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal oh, okay. that was good in its day yeah I, that I I didn't yeah. want to put it as a main one because I haven't yeah. seen it since it came out but I really enjoyed it and I have no idea how well it holds up but right. uh,
1: I feel that way about uh, the Hard Way with Michael J Fox and James Woods like I remember really liking that when it came out but I haven't seen it since and I I I want to say that yeah you'll probably like it but I don't know how it holds up.
0: Yeah. I just I love Gregory Hines. It's such a shame that he he died far 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 too young. Um you know the 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 scene in this movie that re, that stands out in my mind is the kid flipping them off and then flipping the kid back off and uh, <laughs> I might I might be mad at
1: you for the 'cause cuz now I have Michael McDonald singing Chance Sweet Freedom in my head and that's all I remember from <laughs> from that movie. Uh I saw that in the theater though,
0: so. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh.
2: All right. Well, I think that'll that wrap things up. So, uh Rick, uh thank you for being here. Let everybody know where they can find you.
0: Uh, please go to simply syndicated. dot com where you can find me on the Seventh Chevron and, Sim- and uh, Starbase sixty six and my brand new show, although it may not be all that new now <laughs> when you're listening. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Thank the Makers, which is finally out and for real and happening.
2: All right, and Virginia.
3: Um, You can find me, I have two things going on right now. My Star Trek for Beginners blog is called To Casually Go, which you can find at tocasuallygo.com. And then also recently, but not actually recently by the time this comes out, is um, my new podcast with Shane that's called Wait You've Never Seen. And we watch movies that one of us has never seen that the other has pretty common movies like Die Hard that you would think a 37-year-old woman would have seen by now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right. And Chris...
1: Uh, you can find me on the Quantum Leap podcast with my very talented co-hosts, Allison Pregler and Matt Dale. We talk about uh, Quantum Leap episode by episode. We are at the time of this recording in the sort of latter half of season three, so we got plenty of shows to go. You can find it at quantumleappodcast.com. And you can find us on fa- Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Quantum Leap Podcast.
2: Alrighty, and that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Make sure that you join us next week on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear John say...
0: Reason number 54 that life is just like a movie. Uh, It's best done from the couch.
3: (laughs) True, very true.
0: Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter... You can contact us by email at mail@cosmicpotato.com at or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star
2: rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast.